Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 30 of A. Thompson and Other Disappointments. Um, I tentatively sort of call these episodes where it's just me on my own. I call them Fuck This Week. Um, I, I, I don't know. I sort of feel like in the absence of having a guest on them, that really the, the way to fuel a show like this, the way to power a 45 minute or hour long show of essentially a man talking to himself like a crazy person, uh, is, is really just to look back at the news stories of the week and uh, and sort of muse over them, marvel at them, in fact. Um, uh, and because a lot of it is so negative at the moment, then uh, that was the title that leapt to the, the forefront of my mind was just, oh, fuck this. I should have called it Motherfuck this week, really. But then I feel like if you were ever promoting this show, then fuck this week would be a little bit like risque a bit you know but still marketable like you could just asterisk out the u and the c and like people would get it and it'd be a bit edgy but um but mother fuck this i i really feel like that would raise some eyebrows like if you were in a commissioning meeting and they were like oh yeah love love the idea raid love it um yeah i think there's a definite market for humorous you know political hue like looking back at the stories of the week that's never been done before aid you're onto something here anyway what, what was the title uh yeah i thought i'd call it motherfuck this week well no that is that is a complete non-starter you fucking idiot um so yeah let's let's stick with fuck this week so whenever you see fuck this week basically in in my podcast things that means it is me talking to myself uh it's just a cooler way of me saying I'm talking to myself for an hour because uh, that objectively that does not sound like a cool thing to say. Um, so, yeah, uh, lo looking back at the, the stories of the week, I mean, fucking hell, what a week. What a week of mindless political lunacy and incompetence. Like I struggle to even say the word incompetence because the frequency of incompetence now and corruption those two words incompetence and corruption the frequency that we see them the words have lost all meaning uh to the extent that i feel like i'm weeding out cliches you know like everyone has said incompetence everyone has said corruption so many times that it's like I, it feels lazy like journalistically lazy now to describe the government uh as as either of those things even though they so obviously are um I mean, if we look back over the last week, what have we seen? We saw, I mean, obviously the, the hugest story was Afghanistan, the, the withdrawal from there. Um, and look, I'm not an expert on foreign policy. Uh, I was aware that it was happening. I remember seeing the news stories and, uh, you know, Biden announcing that he was going to withdraw troops. And then I remember Boris Johnson saying that he was going to withdraw troops. And I remember thinking to myself, um, I guess it's I guess it's job done then, is it? Like, I mean, I didn't really cast too much of a glance over the detail of it, and I don't, I don't suppose anyone. But it doesn't sound like anybody fucking did, even in the upper echelons of power. So, you know, who the fuck am I to uh, uh, to to dot the i's and cross the t's of it? Um, you know, the people in charge of it weren't even paying attention. So, who can blame me for not really getting really into the detail? Um, but yeah, so the, the the withdrawal from Afghanistan, it sounds like uh, from what I've now read up on it this week, uh, as though the US or the West more broadly were really struggling to sort of win this war. You know, this was a 20 year engagement in a foreign country uh, 
and they had been warned about it like before they even went in they'd been you know this is a difficult country to go fucking waving a u.s flag around and um and, and expect to win in the short term you know you might be able to overthrow the taliban and install some sort of democracy but keeping it there and keeping the taliban at bay or defeating them is a completely different kettle of fish um and and lo and behold you know that's that's what's happened um and so it wore trump down and i suppose trump to some extent wanted the ego stroking and the the win of bringing the troops home because he was actually you know for all his faults he was quite sort of anti starting these wars in foreign countries and sending troops over there and them dying and um so he i i think probably on the back of his you know his aides or whatever they're called over there his supporting staff was advised to start looking at making a deal with the Taliban. And within that deal, I, I mean, I haven't read the text of it, but from what I've read about what was, was integrated into it, was essentially like releasing fucking like Taliban heads, heads of the Taliban and soldiers from the Taliban as a sort of look, okay, you know, we're going to release these guys, and we're going to do this and this, and, and you know, then, then we're going to start to withdraw our troops, and please be nice, and, you know, it was a sort of nice way of getting the troops home, ending the engagement, and sort of, try, I suppose, to some extent, trying to civilise the Taliban, trying to sort of say, look, we're going to leave, we're going to let you guys out, just, you know, hold fire, just chill out. Um, and then what it sounds like, again, from what I've read, uh, is that over the last year, while these releases have been happening and while this deal has been thrashed out, the the, the defense services, the um, sorry, my words are all over the place tonight. Um, the the soldiers that they trained um, over the last twenty years found out about this deal, and they found out that the bad guys that they've been trained to 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 fend off were getting released. And that the US were going to pull out and so were the UK and, and they were going to be on their own without the air support, without the tanks and, the, you know, all of the, the, the other sort of surrounding support structures. Um, and so then they either it was sort of, you know, a mix of losing the will to to fight um, or sort of maybe never even having the will there in the first place like a, a friend of mine i mentioned this on a tiktok the other day so apologies for the the duplication but i mentioned this on a tiktok uh the other day that i, I have a friend who's an ex-soldier who did tours in afghanistan and his take on it and remember this is not carte blanche this is not every afghan soldier but his experience of having trained afghan soldiers was that they were either doped up on opium uh, or they just they were just doing it for the salary. Like in came these Americans. They were like, "How'd you like to be a soldier?" And these kids were like, "Yeah, all right. You gonna pay me? Yeah, man. Yeah, you could earn like five hundred bucks a month to be a soldier. Here, here's your gun. You be a soldier. We'll give you this check." And then, you know, lo and behold, when the the U.S. tanks left. <laughs> and and this deal was signed you know these same kids are like oh what like you what you you're going where's i'm like, oh okay well i'll just put the gun down fuck it you know like it's you could sort of understand why it it kind of all fell to pieces and then the third pillar of this that i read about this week was that in the time that the taliban were doing this deal and that slowly you know releases were being talked about and uh defense 
was being sort of dismantled, I suppose, to some extent by the West. Um, the, in that time, bribes were going around. And, you know, this will all come out in the wash, I'm sure. But that bribes were coming from the Taliban to various farmers, various sort of villagers and, you know, townspeople and, and, and whatever to basically say, look, we're going to make a run for the capital. We're going to take over this whole shit. So when we do, here is a thousand dollars. That's gonna. Which could you just look the other way? Is that okay? A thousand bucks. Yeah. All right. Cool. Sweet. So then they had this whole route to all of these cities planned out and coordinated. Like I, I took the piss last week when all of this was unfolding. I was like, how fucked is it that the Taliban appear more coordinated and organized than Boris Johnson's fucking government? Like, could you imagine? Boris Johnson taking over 10 cities in the space of a week. Like, I I cannot imagine that happening. They would fuck it up. They'd get the names of the cities wrong. They'd march into the wrong fucking place. Then they'd fumble around and, you know, loads of bluster. Oh, well, you know, I, I mean, they do sound the same, Maidenhead and Maidstone. They do sound pretty much. Oh, okay, roll back, boys, roll back. You know, six months in. They'd still be in the same fucking place because they would have done so many U-turns. They'd just be in a circle for six months. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. Like, I, if, if Boris Johnson was in charge of taking over 10 cities in, like, 10 days, it would, be, like, every city would be a sort of chaotic mess of unplanned pregnancies and fucking cycle schemes like, and, and shit bridges, you know? It would just be... So, yeah, we're in a situation now where the Taliban are looking more coordinated, organised and professional than our own domestic government. So that's great. Uh, well done, Britain. Um, so, yeah, so uh, off the back of all of this unfolding, obviously there was a lot of uh, concern around uh, refugees. And, and this always sort of... This always comes back to bite us in the sense that the right wing of the right wing, if you like, the the far right of the conservative movement in the United Kingdom are always very gung-ho about going into places. Like, they love to dress themselves up as some sort of global military authority. They're always like... There's always this attitude of, like, you know, if there's something in Iraq or there's something in Afghanistan or Libya or, you know, take, take your fucking pick. We're always like, yep, come on, guys, stand back. The Brits are here. You know, we're right there alongside the US... Uh, desperate to be seen as this sort of you know world leader of military professionalism and i'm sure to some extent we are very professional and, and we do know what we're doing but the, the the shit that we're bad at is at the tail end of these engagements is when we have to clean up when we have to actually take some fucking responsibility for the mess that we've created and we saw it with libya and and now we're seeing it with afghanistan you know we, we were there for 20 years trying to sort it out trying to do this trying to do that and through some sort of intelligence failure or analysis failure or just impatience um, or financial challenge. I don't know what the reason is, really, that we pulled out. But for whatever reason, we've just fucked off and left it in complete chaos. And now here's the weird thing. It's the same right wing of the conservative movement in the United Kingdom who are now like, yeah, well, fuck the refugees. Yeah, we oh, no, well, fuck them. Let them sort their own country. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's, it's sort of we plow into these places, waving our... Union Jack and talking all this, you know, blighty, blighty, red arrows, fucking blitz spirit nonsense. We're the we're the Brits, guys. Come on, we'll handle this. We know what we're doing. 
And then on the flip side of it, once we've created chaos and there is undoubtedly going to be hundreds of thousands, if not millions of refugees from a situation that we've we've created, then <laughs> we're like, oh, no, bloody refugees. No, 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 I, can't, I can't stand them. Fucking hate them. Why can't they sort their own country out? Like, because you've just fucked it up, dummy. Like, what the fuck? It's so weird. It's like this complete disconnect, this this inability to see um, see things as a sort of cyclical uh, uh, scenario, you know, for want of a better word. Like, you create some chaos, it creates refugees, refugees turn up in the English Channel trying to get in. Um, you make it harder for people to claim asylum, more illegals go across the channel and try to get in. Like, it's not a difficult equation to get, to wrap your head around, but it's one that seems to baffle and uh and frustrate people and then it becomes a question of like well okay do you do you are you too stupid to understand the equation that i'm talking about like war equals refugees or are you just pretending that you don't understand you know or or do you just hate refugees you know like are are you stupid or are you racist or or does one sort of engulf the other or i suppose nowadays like there's a third option which is um are you a self-serving right-wing talking head you know that they wheel out and and actually what you're doing is you're saying the thing that you think all of your twitter followers and everything are going to really respond to so you say the you know the refugee bashing thing because then you know that you'll get a hundred thousand retweets out of it like is is it that I, I really don't know i'd love to i'd love to just sit down in a psychologist's chair and just really drill into people like you know julia hartley brewer and Darren Grimes and fucking Nigel Farrow. Like, do they really believe this shit or is it all a grift? Because it's really like, it seems like a blurry line, I think. It's like, you know, you don't, I, I don't think you can be an intelligent person and not understand war equals refugee, like the consequences of your actions. But then that sort of goes back to the like the mask shit, doesn't it? It's like there's a consequence to not wearing a mask. There's a consequence to not having a vaccine. And if you're one of these people who just has one of these brains that has a real problem with understanding that behaving a certain way or saying a certain thing is going to have an output, then maybe, I don't know, maybe you're just beyond help. I know that sounds really condescending, but it's like... You know how like since since the brexit vote we've been trying to figure out why half the fucking country can't understand x y and z so maybe it is just that simple maybe it's like you, they really have a problem with understanding consequence i don't know anyway so so this this situation in Afghan afghanistan um it's uh the output of that was there was suddenly a lot of refugee like pre-hate right so um normally in uh in situations of political unrest and and political volatility uh when when the boats start coming when the asylum seekers begin to appear then you get fucking nigel farage in a dinghy out there policing the channel right um well this was sort of ahead of time because we could see the chaos enveloping in Afghanistan, we could see the people like running for the planes, falling off the fucking planes, dying to get out of Afghanistan, literally. Um, and and rather than having any compassion or, you know, questioning uh, the government or, uh, or, or or trying to make sense of the withdrawal process, the first thing that came out of people like Nigel Farage's mouth was like was was, uh, you know, fear mongering about 
asylum seekers and about what our responsibilities would should really be with with these individuals coming across the channel and blah blah blah. it's like sort of ahead of time prejudice against refugees who haven't even fucking ended up here yet um it's it's really strange and, and like i did a i did a tiktok about it um and forgive me like if you if you aren't on tiktok and you fucking hate tiktok then i'm sorry but i do reference a couple of like you know like various points that i've made in tiktoks and and the reactions that they get um and one of the videos i made this week was was about this idea that britain is full uh people love to wheel this shit out like if you say refugees welcome bring refugees here or we have a responsibility to to house and home refugees um it, it in a matter of minutes you'll get a comment or somebody you know piping up saying um no no thanks country's full you know we're already struggling um and it's this idea that well they, they seem to sort of go down two or three different avenues with it the first one is that there isn't enough room geographically uh that the country is full um which is lunacy because i mean it's it is objectively crazy because the the united kingdom is like 98 percent unbuilt on i know sometimes when you're in london or birmingham or even like a sort of fairly built up town like where i'm from uh it doesn't feel like there's loads and loads of green space but it's like the country is almost entirely fucking countryside it's like and i'm not saying you know let's pave over all of the countryside but come on 98 percent of the fucking play like I, I i'm very environmentally conscious and very green and or aspirationally very green um but come on 98 percent. could we take it down to 90 and just house everyone give everyone a home <laughs> is that too idealistic i don't know but when we say britain is full geographically speaking is just a an untruth it is at best uh someone who's a missing misinformed and at worst somebody who's just outright lying to to project some reason to not give desperate people a hand um so there's that and then there's this idea that britain is full or, or sort of at breaking point um which which sort of goes back to public services so uh if we look at hospitals if we look at nhs waiting times if we look at schools like over you know bloated classrooms um uh if you try to get uh, an appointment at an NHS dentist and, and you know, the, the state of the roads and bin collections going down to once every fortnight in some parts of the country. Like all of these, this sort of idea of Britain declining and getting shitter because it's already just bloated and, and brimming with people. And, um, and, and I'm always a bit fascinated by this because if you look at public services, right, pan out a little bit and, and how, how are they funded? They come from, that, that money comes from tax. Uh, so I work, you work, your sister works, your dad works, uh, and the money that we earn in theory is then taxed and the money is siphoned off into various you know, parts of the exchequer. And then that money is then apportioned to this and that and this and, you know, NHS and schools and so on. Um, and, and the way that it should work is that, right, so if you then bring in 100,000 refugees and then, you know, a, a proportion of them work and let's let's be real here let's not buy into the stereotype that they're all going to come over and scrounge and just sit on the dole you know a lot of these people are qualified in what they do over in afghanistan so the idea that they're not gonna you know are they just going to totally lose interest in their skill set and their profession no they're going to come here and they're going to try and get on the ladder uh in that same industry or in that same job 
and if they can't then we actually have the most available free like to apply for jobs ever in the history of the united kingdom right now there's so many jobs that are desperate for people to apply and and get in i'm not saying they're all great jobs i'm sure they're not but there is sufficient work and jobs out there for people at the moment so so this idea that they would come over here and there wouldn't be enough jobs is out the window uh, the public services thing i think they would like they come over they want to work they want to they, like immigrants are traditionally hard working fucking families so they would come over and they would get jobs and they would pay tax and right here's the wild part is when people go no no sorry public service is already stretched well when they work they pay tax and so as the population grows more tax and so more tax funds the public services and if the public services begin to dwindle or decline even though the population is growing that tells you that someone somewhere is avoiding fucking tax so when these people say no no we're already stretched like public services are already full it's like well you're actually angry at tax avoidance that is what you're angry at but actually what you're doing is clouding it in this sort of weird mean-spirited disdain for desperate people and i i sort of get it i understand where it's where it comes from it's like you know you don't want this idea or you, you sorry i'll start again this idea that you don't want somebody to come over with nothing and then just be handed a house and dull money and free higher educate i don't know if they're offering free or high free higher education but like if they if somebody was if they came over with nothing and they were given a lot to get them help and supported you would feel like hang on a second like i've paid my taxes my whole fucking life what help do we get which is fine right you can feel like that but that that anger that feeling should be directed at local government and domestic like national government it shouldn't be directed at some like desperate family in a dinghy or some desperate family climbing off a plane at heathrow with nothing who just want to get a fucking roof over their heads and get safe and security and be able to make a phone call back to afghanistan and find out if their relatives are still alive do you know what i mean like it's 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 the I think what we're missing is the ability to um, uh, to to think outside the box. You know, to like to people look at it sort of face value on the base level, floor level. They look at it like that guy's got something that I haven't been gifted myself, um, so therefore I'm angry at him. So I like no, I don't want more of him. But it's like pan out a little bit, look at the big picture, and and just try and consider how this all works. But then. I don't know, man, like if you've if you've listened to the last couple of episodes where I was talking to Super Tansky and uh, Davey Moo and, you know, no doubt people before that. Um, I, I really believe that this, you know, this idealistic, this fantasy of expecting everyday people to to really like to think outside the box. You know, most people just want to check their emails. Uh, text a girlfriend go for a pint and 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 then if they've got time later that evening they might just quickly cast a glance across the headlines and then they crack on with love island or whatever most people do not obsess about politics and the machinations and the apparatus that that powers it and and worry about where their anger should go most people want a simple story which is that brown guy in the boat is going to get a free house 
and the mail the express the sun the telegraph they serve it up to them in spades and they just fucking gobble it up and i guess that's the problem really is like you know i can sit here <laughs> i can sit here all night talking to myself ranting away about how people just have to think and be a bit more considered about these problems but ultimately we're fucking doomed that's the <laughs> that's the spoiler is like every week i'm i'm asking you to come back and listen to more episodes of this but really i think you know i would be doing you a disservice uh myself a disservice if i didn't just admit right now up front uh everything is fucked and it always will be so there is no hope um so so yeah let's let's move on um we, we've talked a bit about afghanistan there um the the one one of the sort of ripple effects if you like of the afghanistan disaster uh was dominic raab and dominic raab has become a sort of scapegoat for the whole thing uh because it like it is objectively a terrible news story to see a country just um uh uh, implode and turn to chaos and revert to its earlier sort of you know regressive shit close-minded version of itself um and and so people are you know they they see that happening they see it's a, a humiliation and a disaster for the military and they see that women and girls rights are being taken away and they see the images and the video of um you know people climbing onto a plane and then falling off when when the plane takes off and dying and this is a horrific news story and people need a bad guy people need to hate something and apportion the blame and who better to fucking shoulder that blame than the foreign secretary of the british government who was on the holiday and uncontactable refused to take phone calls by all accounts uh because he didn't want to be disturbed on his holiday while the fucking while afghanistan was imploding um and this is a guy, I mean, this has been wheeled out a few times now, but this is what what struck me as, as truly astounding about this was uh, like, you know, when somebody says something and then six months later, they behave in a way that completely contradicts what they said. Well, this is you could never get a more perfect example than this than the quote of Dominic Raab about sort of six or seven years ago saying about British people. who's like, the British are amongst the worst idlers in the world. That was what he said about his own people. The British are amongst the worst idlers in the world. They only care about pop music and football. Or it was something along those lines. But it, the first part of that is word for word what he said, that everyone in Britain is is an idler, basically. Um, and then he's here he is on arguably the most important day of his career as foreign secretary, sat on a beach on his fucking deck chair, drinking margaritas or doing whatever the fuck it is he does on his holiday uh and then even after afghanistan was sort of you know already imploding in that sort of inception collapse kind of scene phase uh he was still you know not on the news not answering questions just just go like i was tweeting about it going like has anyone seen him has anyone seen our foreign secretary on this most important days of his career like no is is he in the gym he's he's in the fucking gym isn't it you know like because he's such a fucking gym fanatic i don't know if you guys uh caught that story i think it was a couple of years ago now maybe slightly less where one of his old uh civil servant like aides was um i think she sued him for unfair dismissal and one of the things that came out 
in the tribunal or the case or whatever it was, was that he refused to have his hour and a quarter in the gym uh, reduced. Like this, this poor girl tried to book him in for a meeting, some important meeting with so-and-so. And so she just pulled his gym appointment back by like 15 minutes. She was like, yeah, I've had to reduce your gym session by 15. And he, apparently he exploded at her. He was, you know, and like, if you look at Dominic Raab, you see that vein on the side of his head and he's got like big sort of, you know, murdery rapist eyes i'm not saying he's a rapist but like he's he's got in, he's got an intense look about him he's got like if somebody said dominic Raab was arrested this morning and uh, police are currently searching for five bodies of young women like you wouldn't be that surprised would you he just he has a hateful violent look to him uh and he has an nda like somebody <laughs> Somebody was suing him or like launching a court case or something and his employer within, I think it was when he was in the civil service or some somewhere within government, but before he was a cabinet minister, uh, his department funded, like paid for the NDA to be like wrapped around this allegation. Nobody knows what it was. I don't know if he beat the shit out of someone or sexually assaulted someone or like nobody knows what it is apart from him and this girl and presumably a few lawyers, but... Uh, so yeah, like I, I definitely get some sort of murderously, yeah. There's, there's a vibe to him for sure. Um, Super Tansky was like, you know, it worries me that if Johnson does go, that Rob might end up because he's quite a sort of, you know, traditionally handsome-looking man, and that will play well with people. I'm like, I just think he's too angry and hateable. Like if you met him in the pub, this is, this is my, um my test for whoever I think is going to win the next election is do they pass the beer test? Would you sit and have a beer with this person? Do they seem like they'd be, in you know, Obama wasn't like a laugh a minute, but you felt like he was a good guy that you could sit and have a beer with. Mitt Romney, not so much, you know, Theresa May and Jeremy Corbyn, both insufferable. And, and yeah, neither one of them, wins the beer test but i don't think either one of them won an election did they she had to do the bung with the dup so maybe that that's that's right so the beer test still <laughs> still in in jaws in that situation uh both insufferable pretty much hung parliament uh uh boris johnson and jeremy corbyn um i think for all his faults boris johnson you'd probably enjoy a beer with him more even though he's murderously incompetent and very hateable for his behavior and his arrogance but if you met him just like you know out and about if you didn't really know who's his demeanor the way he communicates his sort of jolliness he he's he passes the beer test more than corbyn he just does um and i don't think rob does and i don't think patel does i think people like rishi sunak and maybe johnny mercer or maybe i'm trying to think who else i don't think gove does either they're so devoid of likable people because here's the thing it's like that cabinet is comprised entirely of Brexiters. And the unfortunate thing that nobody really likes to admit about Brexiters, even within the Brexit circles, is that most of them are fucking insufferable <laughs> because because they operate from a, a position of like, yeah, I'm right. I'm not going to be oppressed. I'm not going to like because there's that sort of me against the world thing. That's a sort of. You know, I'm not saying all Brexiters are sociopaths, but it's quite a sociopathic -y thing. To, to be like, no, fuck everyone else. I'm just doing what's best for me because my liberty, you know, like, so it's it doesn't surprise, like, I'd be surprised if any cabinet minister has more than one close friend. I think, 
like you never see or hear of any of them with like good mates do you does like does dominic Raab have any friends do you think pretty patel has friends i don't i'm me not so much um so uh so yeah anyway look back to the the Raab uh being being a sort of scapegoat of sorts um uh so he refused to answer his phone there's all these jokes going around on twitter about you know not answering your phone and like pictures of him on the phone this was this was amazing really they they sent around these uh, like the whatsapp fueled um you know when like somebody from tory hq pr sends a thing around to all of the tory ministers and says like right we all need to rally around the robster or you know they did the same thing with pretty patel they did the same thing with um with matt hancock like suddenly you get all of these tory ministers tweeting saying like well uh, I know everyone's talking ill and blah, blah, blah. But um, actually, Dominic Raab is the most professional, uh, dedicated foreign secretary we've ever had. Like, they all do it. And it's so transparent and disingenuous. And it, I actually think it does the Tory party more damage than, or at least as much damage as Dominic Raab's incompetence uh, when they do this. Because it's just so see-through. Um, these are people who secretly, privately will admit yeah, his position is completely untenable. But then they do, they send this tweet out of support to be, you know, a team player or whatever. And and amongst all of these uh, these tweets, they were putting out this picture of Dominic Raab behind a desk on the phone. Like, how the fuck are you going to send out a picture of Dominic Raab on the phone to defend him at the same time that the accusation is that he didn't answer the fucking phone like what like are you trying to draw attention maybe that's actually maybe this is a bit more machiavellian than i thought in that you know they're actually they're like ah this will really fuck him over like let's put a picture of him on the phone like do you know what i mean like maybe it's maybe it's a bit like that but uh anyway he's clinging on at the time of recording this he's clinging on to his job uh and uh I suppose it like it must be easy to reject calls for your resignation when you refuse to answer them. I guess that's the approach. <laughs> he's, he's got like Johnson's phoning him like, Rob, uh, we look, we really need to talk about your future, about uh, I've got an exciting role opened up as uh, as uh, uh, ambassador in Hong Kong. <laughs> I think you'd be really good at it. Uh, and uh Rob's just sat there like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not fucking picking that phone call up. I'll, just, I'll wait for him to get bored. Wait for him to get a new PA that is, takes his eye off his phone for a second. Fat, horny prick. Um, so Rob, Rob has been sort of scapegoated to some extent. He's the evil face of this whole Afghanistan thing. And uh, uh, I guess time will tell if he's going to, if he's going to cling on to his job. My hope is that he doesn't either at this stage or... As I understand it, he's got a really flimsy margin in his constituency. Um, and if the Lib Dem voters and the Labour voters had just worked together, uh, then he wouldn't have won. He Like, it would have been a Labour or, or Lib Dem candidate that would have won that seat. So, I don't know. It's another, another tick in the uh, the list of reasons to look at progressive alliances and uh, and for, for Labour and Lib Dem and Greens to, to actually look at this in a sort of mature way, in a way that we can actually win and unseat Tories, rather than, no, no, I think I think we'll definitely stand candidates in that area, split the vote and then let the Tories in. That, that seems like a smart move, yeah. Um, fucking bellends. Um, the last story I want to talk about tonight is, is it's not really politics. It's more to do with uh, fintech, which is financial technology, if you're unfamiliar. 
and um and capitalism so i suppose there is a a political lean to it but it's around this this platform only fans uh now i don't know i don't know who fucking listens to this podcast so uh if like first off the bat like straight off the bat sorry i'll say uh let's i'll give you a quick description of what only fans is um but secondly if you do want to let me know that you listen to this then please do tweet at me it's at aid thompson because wow oh jesus where did that come from um <laughs> because uh i'm really sorry about that that literally came out of nowhere um uh, because I, I don't know who listens to this and it's it's nice to know the sort of demographics and uh and and numbers and, and everything and i get a, a small inkling of who who's listening and how many are subscribing but it's really great to get people tweeting and uh and saying hello so please do so um but yeah just going back to the description of only fans right and fintech right so fintech is finance technology um and only fans sort of fits into that world only in the sense that uh that they take payments so what the what the platform does quick description would be helpful um it is it's like a sort of a netflix for pornography right uh so girls usually or, or young women will uh will create a profile on only fans uh and it will look like you know myspace or facebook and it'll have a picture of them and then they'll have their content on there they'll have video and images and uh and and if you pay, you know, $7 a month or $20 a month, you then get access to this explicit content or these, you know, pornographic images. And uh, you might think to yourself, well, the Internet's got fucking how much pornography on it already? Um, you know, I don't need to pay that. But I look, I'm not a pornographer and I watch a healthy amount of porn, but uh, I'm not an expert on, you know, the... the 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 controls and the the pros and the cons of uh, paid for platforms etc but i can tell you that OnlyFans has actually been monstrously successful uh i haven't ventured into that corner of the internet myself but um but you know a lot of people do and and there's been documentaries made about this about how women who found uh their career opportunities frustrated um had found financial success and security by creating only fans profiles so um, you know, they had tried to do X, they had tried to do Y, and eventually they figured that, you know, maybe they've got a couple of kids by this point that actually if they just upload a new video every day of them stroking their own feet, that there are tens of thousands of men out there who will pay fucking $5 a month to watch you stroke your feet. Like, it's so, it's quite bizarre, isn't it, to, to, to think about it, that there's that. But when you think of the number of people in the world, obviously there's going to be a a niche and a you know a set portion of gentlemen out there with disposable income who will happily pay a monthly fee to get exclusive content and i think well as i understand it if you pay a slightly higher fee or then a higher fee again like your personal attachment to this porn star effectively becomes you know becomes more personal like if you paid 50 dollars a month she would make you a personal video because you're a you know premium subscriber or whatever so that's only fans in a nutshell is this sort of you know paid for uh youtube basically you create a profile and you put your content up there and some gentlemen out there love to pay ten dollars a month um and some of it's more explicit than others right so you could do foot stroking videos that might be your thing and that's perfectly innocent and great good luck to you um but obviously there is more extreme stuff on there you might get um uh, a woman 
whose whose whole thing her usp is that she sticks vegetables up her ass right um and then you get some you know quite graphic sex stuff i guess like where it's you know literally a man fucking a woman uh and and that's cool too you know like i'm sure it, we all know that there's millions of men out there who would happily pay for that shit and to then get the personal thing involved as well like you can see the sell of it and why that would be so popular and especially if these guys like the particular model and any anyway i really feel like i've explained what only fans is at this stage so so why is this interesting right so this week only fans have announced that they are no longer going to host extreme pornography not even extreme pornography they're not going to host anything that is explicit so if i let's say i'm a 30 year old woman and i've been putting videos up of myself for a year of me fucking various men and that's your thing you love subscribing to my thing all of those videos are going to be like deplatformed unhosted and uh, and so on and they, they'll be banned um going forward now why have they done this because their card payments provider this is where it gets a bit murky right their card payments provider is a company called stripe uh i researched that very quickly earlier so maybe they use other ones but uh stripe and then uh, they have to go to banks for you know loan money and facilities and uh, and then they go to venture capitalist investors so there's there's different suppliers and individuals and institutions behind them supporting them as a platform uh, and i know this as a web developer that you don't when you create a website you don't build every single element of it yourself you buy in services so if i built a website where i wanted to charge people to listen to this fucking nonsense that i come out with um i might buy in a card payments service from stripe uh and it's up to stripe if they want to be associated with me now 99 times out of 100 they're going to be like yeah cool love this uh we're fine with it but that one time out of 100 they might say we can't do business with this company because it goes against our values <laughs> okay that's the important bit so these card payments companies and banks and investors are essentially pulling the rug on only fans and saying if you we like we can't work with you if you're hosting explicit adult content like pornography if you if you're hosting videos of girls getting fucked in the face and the arse that's against our values we can't do that so now only fans have had basically no choice now they're like well all right i guess we'll just get rid of the fucking pornography that's probably the reason that 99.5 percent of our users even fucking come to it it's like i saw a tweet yesterday by a guy i know on twitter uh called bryce i knew him from back in the vine days back in that social network vine um and uh and he put a tweet out about it saying cheese factory announces it is no longer making cheese or, or something like that uh I th i'm sure he articulated it way in a way funnier way than i did but um but that's essentially what it is like their usp was that they would you know these women would go on there produce their own content and if you're a man that's into it you subscribe to it now a, a huge amount of that and a huge amount of the internet in general obviously is is explicit pornography so if they're if they're announcing that then they're sunsetting if you like uh the the explicit pornography angle of only fans then i would hazard a guess i'd speculate wildly and i'm not into like you know sex work and the economics behind it but i would imagine that that's going to cut off a lot of their revenue 
um, and something else will spring up to replace it. And it's sort of, I'll tell you what's interesting to me. It's not particularly surprising that these companies say um, that goes against our values, but it does surprise me that they would be willing to, to distance themselves from a company that they're making money from because like we we live in a capitalist society and i'm not an anti-capitalist i think capitalism has done some great things or at least i'm led to believe it's it's done some great things the world over um and lifted people out of poverty and and so on and i've got those i'm fucking supportive of if you're an enterprising person and a bit entrepreneurial and dedicated and hardworking, and you work hard on your idea and get it out there then god bless you like go go make some money make a success of yourself um i think it's it's weird though when companies say we don't want to work with this company because what they do in their company is against our company's value like by all means police your own company and say well our name is stripe payments and we're against adult content well don't make adult content then <laughs> if that's like what what the fuck is it it's none of your business like we're we're buying in the third party payment system from you you get a cut of the payments what's the fucking problem well you know goes against our value like it, it always amazes me that these values are are paraded around as though they're sort of you know it's like a nice to have little easy marketing story to tell people like yeah we've got values it's stripe payments and uh uh, you know we're 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 gonna distance ourselves from uh, adult adult content. I'm struggling with the accent a bit. Um, in fact, I don't know why I'm doing an American accent. The guys that run it are Irish, Irish billionaires. Um, uh, but it's it's like it goes against their values. And then, like the next week, I'm not saying this about Stripe payments. I'm just saying like typically what you see in these situations is that they're all about their values, their fluffy values and shit. And then you'll find out next week somebody within the organization or you know the the broader court the like parent company like somebody there will be fucking over everyone like laundering money for a south american drug cartel <laughs> like like if like if, this is not a a unique situation like we all read stories like if they were struggling to work with a bank whose values aligned with their fucking adult content they should have just gone to hsbc like hsbc have had to admit that they've laundered money for the fucking drug cartels <laughs> so how the fuck are they gonna say yeah you 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 dodgy you your porn videos are against our value really are they what you found your morals yeah yeah no we found them now yeah we, we can't can't do adult content right okay weren't you laundering fucking drug money for murderous cartels last week yeah 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 we were yeah but um, that's that's a nice yacht you got over there. Yeah, yeah, it is. I just uh, you know, just fancied getting away for a bit. I, I bet you fucking did. You fucking crooked. Like these people love to moralise about you know their values. We've got our values in this corporation, and uh, you know we live by them. We we breathe these values, and uh, you know we can't uh, we can't be seen to be producing or, or supporting you producing adult content like. Weren't you the guys that financed Pedophile Island? Uh, no. No, that was... Uh, that was are you sure? Or was that Deutsche Bank? I, I think that was Deutsche. And like, it's, but they're all the same. You know, they would all... They all either fund the Trumps or finance Pedophile Island or they funnel drug money or, 
you know they're they're involved in some sort of like sanctions evading scandal with russia like they're they stink to high heaven so then it's it's like an easy story for them to tell to say like oh yeah never mind about that uh, here's our here's four bullet points with some values on some ambiguous values we're all what, what are your values uh diversity um hard work uh doing the right thing and uh good that's the last one i always forget the last one it's just good just goodness we're all about good <laughs> i don't know it's like tokenism isn't it really that's what it is it's watered down tokenism where it's 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 akin to um uh like a sort of you know bloated fat red cheeked insurance executive who gives 50 quid to the church collection he's like yeah i'm a good person why well because i gave 50 quid to the church oh great cool okay when was when did you last pay tax oh, i don't want to talk about that it was 20 years you 20 years without paying tax yeah but i well, let's, let's just not talk about it. <laughs> you know what i mean it's like it's tokenism of you know here's our bullet points of our values but but when it actually comes down to it doing the right thing the good the you know conscientiousness and you know, like positivity like all of that's out the window it's like yeah i'll funnel your fucking and launder your money for you how much three billion yeah cool man i'll take a cut see you later it's um i mean it's pretty gross really it's it's fun to like i'm sure enron had values is that too an extreme of an example i'm sure if you worked at enron in like 2001 then there was probably like you know slick pamphlets being handed out saying like you work at enron we're we're the good guys and uh you know all all the other sort of slick shit that i've just gone through like good and do the right thing like i don't want to labor the point but enron would have had values <laughs> these are our corporate value and then fucking how did that work out didn't like the cfo run off with 250 million dollars <laughs> of like of pension i mean it's not funny but it's like what else can you do these people are so fucking gross it's like uh, anyway um so look that's i think that's everything that i wanted to say uh on this this episode of fuck this week um thank you very much for sitting sitting with me and listening to a man talk to himself for an hour um i hope it's been uh, in some way interesting um if you are listening and you've made it this far please do send me a tweet um i'll be back tomorrow night that's saturday night um because i'm recording this ahead of time uh but saturday night live streaming with john left of the countryside we're going to be chatting no doubt about a few of the same topics and uh, uh oh yeah that's right we're going to talk about incels and uh, the plymouth murders so um be sure to catch that and that will be going out as a podcast on iTunes and Spotify on Sunday. So until then, thank you very much for, for joining me and don't forget to do like, like and subscribe and all that shit that people always say at the end of the podcast and stuff and uh, cheers. <laughs>